Welcome to season two of the Aging Project podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Craft, and together we're here to uncover and explore the secrets to healthy, fabulous, vibrant aging. We've done the research and we've found the best guests ready to help you flourish at any age. So join me as I ask the big questions, your questions, to some of the world's leading authorities in health, wellness and lifestyle. Think of them as your own support aging mentors, a group of experts that are here to make the little changes turn into a big difference for us. The Aging Project was created to help you age well, to help us all age well together. So welcome to the Aging Project podcast. Today you'll meet Chip Conley, a man who's going to get you thinking about what you want for your life and how you're going to make it happen. At 47, he died nine times. Nine. Yes, you heard that correctly. It was the wake-up call he needed to make some big changes in his life. And now, after helping build Airbnb into the biggest hospitality brand in the world, he shifted his focus to helping people in midlife and beyond find their purpose and step confidently into the next stage with joy and meaning. Chip's latest project, the Modern Elder Academy, is on a mission to change the way we approach ageing, and we're so excited to have him on the podcast to share his wisdom with us. The Modern Elder Academy. I just love this idea of somewhere that we can go to repurpose and restart our lives. Well, you know, and it came about because I was a boutique hotel here in the United States. I'd started the second largest boutique hotel company in the U.S., I sold it when I was around 50 and then I really wasn't sure what was next for me. And then I got a call 10 years ago from the three young founders of Airbnb um, who wanted to take their little tech startup and turn it into a global hospitality brand. And I joined (laughs) them. And next thing I knew, they were calling me the modern elder. And I was like, I don't want to be a modern elder. Why are you calling me the modern elder? And they called me that because they said, Chip, a modern elder is as curious as they are wise. And I said, well, if that's what a modern elder is, I guess I I will claim that. Um, I'm all for it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I ended up being the modern elder at Airbnb for seven and a half years and then started writing a book called Wisdom at Work, The Making of a Modern Elder. And in the process of writing that book, I came up with this idea of the world's first midlife wisdom school. And we call it the Modern Elder Academy, or it's better known as MEA, MEA. I think it's something we don't appreciate about ourselves, and you spelled it out beautifully there, that as we get older, we do get wiser. We've had so many life lessons, and yet we somehow feel like we're not worthy at, at our midlife. Well, it's sometimes people call it the midlife crisis, and there's a lot of reasons why there are a lot of natural transitions that are happening in midlife. The U-curve of happiness social science research shows that forty between 45 and 50 is usually the lowest time in our lives for life satisfaction. No. Yeah. Are you 45 to 50? Yes. Oh, Shelly. Well, (laughs) you know, you're precocious. You probably already, it's, you're, it's already probably behind you. Like you're, you're, you're ahead of your, you know, you're on the, on the upswing, but actually what the the research shows is that people, um, and this is particularly true for women, um, in their fifties are happier than their forties, sixties, happier than fifties, seventies, happier than sixties and women in their eighties, happier than their seventies. So long story short is um, it's not a midlife crisis. It's a midlife chrysalis. And what I mean by that is if you think about the the caterpillar to butterfly journey, it's the middle part of that journey, the chrysalis, when 
the caterpillar goes into this cocoon, it liquefies itself in the process of the metamorphosizing into a caterpillar. I think midlife is much the same. It is this period of life that's a bit of a cocoon where you're, you have the first half of your adult life before behind you and the second half of your adult life ahead of you. And it's also a period of time where you're often going through a lot of transitions. And so they're natural. And yet we have very little in society to support people through what is a natural period of transition. The word adolescence didn't exist in 1903. It was in 1904 when a book came out calling this life stage between you know childhood and adulthood adolescence. Similarly, there's a word called middlescence that didn't exist you know 20 years ago and now exists and may start becoming more popular as this life stage when a lot of things are going on. And so I really deeply believe that uh, some of what goes on in midlife in the in that crisis era is frankly normal. <laughs> but because we think we're going through so much at once, and especially men, even more so than women, they don't talk about all that they're going through. There's a sense like they're getting the game of life wrong. So it's been a fascinating journey to see that MEA has has 2,500 alumni. Our most our most um, active chapter in the world, regional chapter, is in Australia, um, and we have something called MEX MEAX in Australia, which creates programs uh, around MEA there. And just two weeks ago, we had seven Australians here in Mexico at our at our campus um, all at the same time. I love this concept and how you just described it then, that, that chrysalis period, I guess our liquefying really is breaking us right down and I guess being fluid with what we choose to do next. So the fact that yeah. you've got these alumni, do, are they mainly people who have been very successful in their lives previous to this point or are they people that feel like they've been in that caterpillar stage their whole lives and are now ready for something or is it a bit of a mix of both, people who are having that, that midlife crisis and people who are ready to start their lives at this point? You know, it's both. It's it's people who have been successful, but they feel invisible, you know, in their 50s maybe now, uh, or their 40s or their 60s. It's people who have lost their confidence in midlife. Uh, maybe it's because they are there's been some ageism in the workplace and they feel like their voice is no longer important, mm -hmm. or they feel like their looks has been what's defined who they were. And they don't. They feel like they're on the back, the the backside of of how they look. Meaning, they don't look. They will never look quite as good as they did in their twenties. That's normal, by the way. Um, and yet, there's a lot of things to get better with age. And some for some people, the reason they come is they really want to cultivate and harvest their wisdom. They've lived a life full of experience, but they haven't really had time to reflect on their key lessons and how do they repurpose themselves moving forward. So uh, a normal workshop at our MEA campus is about 20 people for a week, but we also have MEA online where you're in a bit, much bigger group, global collection of people in an eight-week course around either transitions or purpose. I have tried to go back to study in my midlife, and I will be honest to say I'm as bad a student now <laughs> as I was at high school. Um, what sort of subjects do you offer at the Modern Elder Academy? Well, here's the good news is you, you, it, we have no PowerPoints, no handouts. There is a workbook. There is a workbook, but the lessons- Very old school. Very I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's very experiential. It's, it's very much um, learning through 
doing and conversing. People say we are a container for life-changing conversations. So I know you can converse because you're doing this, Shelly. So like, of course you can have conversations. The question is, what are the conversations about? Mm-hmm. So we are a midlife wisdom school. The four key pillars of our program are how to reframe your relationship with aging. How do you understand that some of the unexpected pleasures of aging make the latter part of your adulthood the best part of your life? Number two is how do you shift from a fixed to a growth mindset around mm-hmm. how you see your life? Number three is how do you navigate midlife transitions? How do you understand the three stages of a transition? the ending of something, the messy middle, and the beginning of something new. And then fourthly, regeneration. How do we integrate the idea of regeneration, not retirement necessarily, but regeneration in our lives such as a principle of constantly feeling renewed in our soul, in our purpose, in our community, in how we take care of the planet. Um, regenerative agriculture and ranching is great for climate change, quite, quite frankly. So long story short is those are some of the principles but wisdom is not taught, it's shared. So the key principle that defines everything we do is how do we create conversations that allow wisdom to rise to the surface? And you're, you may have wisdom to offer one of your compadres, one of the people you're, teach, you're learning with, or they may have something for you. In so many cultures throughout the world, elders were looked up to. When did we start to sort of have this de- devaluing of our own purpose as we got older? Is, is it really a Western thing? It is a Western thing, but it is actually now a global thing. And I would say, I don't know if people can see my phone here, but I'm holding up my phone. This is the culprit, the smartphone. <laughs> because the moment that uh, a kid or a teenager could go go check out Google instead of grandma or grandpa was the moment that they realized, hey, I, I don't have to go and talk to, to the old people about this stuff. I can go mm-hmm. and learn it digitally. And I think part of what's happened is we've gotten to an era where – what is most in the old days, some of the elder wisdom were, was think the kind of thing that was passed down over the course of the ages. And what seems valuable today is what's been, you know, just, just innovated last week. Um, and therefore some of that elder wisdom may not feel as valuable, but I think what's really interesting is that um, what I saw at Airbnb um, as the modern elder there was that, yes, the young people are brilliant at their technology. Their mind is exceptionally focused. They understand lifestyle trends really well. But in many cases, they've never actually built a business before, mm-hmm. figured out how do you get something done in an organization, had the emotional intelligence, which is a quality that gets better with age, to understand how to intuit other people and what's going on in their minds how to create psychological safety in a workplace and in a team, which is the number one ingredient of successful teams in the world. So these are the kinds of things that, you know, it doesn't have to be either or young people versus old people and everybody in between. Instead, it's like, how about if this is like an intergenerational potluck such that we all bring to the table what we can do best? It's interesting, isn't it? Also that age, I guess, retirement here in Australia, we head towards retirement in our mid-60s, which now, having worked in the Ageing Project uh, for a while, I think that's still so young. We've still got so much left to give. These youngsters that approached you from Airbnb, did they think of you? Obviously, they called you the modern elder, but at the time, did they realise how old you were when they when they phoned you? I don't know. That's a good question. I was, you know, 52 when they phoned me up. Um 
And I, I, you know, there's a movie called The Intern with Robert De Niro and mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway. And in the film, De Niro says, musicians don't re- retire. They quit when there's no more music left inside of them. And this was when he was the senior intern, the 70-year-old intern to the 34-year-old CEO. And ultimately, he became our mentor. He started out as the intern. I think with the, the Airbnb guys, they, I knew I had some music inside of me. <laughs> it was in the form of wisdom. I wouldn't have called it that, but now I would because I understand it a little bit better. I, wh- what I knew is that I, w- I really wanted to offer some of what I'd learned to someone else. And, and here I was like, you know, in the same town as these guys, uh, they had no one in the company with a hospitality or travel industry background. They didn't really have anybody in the company who'd ever built a company of the size they wanted to get to. And My God, so, so what I did was, they have? Is the question? Oh, they had a well, great idea. They, were, they had a great idea, but they had a gr- they're spectacular at understanding. Well, first of all, understanding millennial travel habits because that was really mm-hmm. the the primary customer in the early days of Airbnb. But also, they understood how to develop a website that was the best in the world when it came to a travel website. I mean, they just did. And two of the three were designers. The other, the third one was an engineer Mm -hmm. and they understood all that. They, they also understood how to create a a mission for a company that felt really magnetizing, brought people together. Um, So they had, you know, I want to give them their, their proper um, credit yet. They also needed some people who had, had been around the block a few times to be able Mm -hmm. to, in, including, like, I was the elder statesman. So, you know, as Airbnb as a disruptor was, you know, upsetting people around the world in this way or that way. So occasionally my job was to just go out and be the secretary of state, as we say in the U.S., to go be di- diplomatic, to sort of look at how do we build relationships with people who fear us. Um, so, yeah, it was a beautiful, I think, frankly, the company was better because of the intergenerational collaboration we had. Mm-hmm. And I imagine they're helping you now with your tech for the modern elder, are they? <laughs> they're not. I mean, they've got their hands full just with the company. But some of the people who have worked at Airbnb have been helpful to me. Um, they, you know, but yes, Modern Elder Academy. We also have a this product, this online education product. So it's like I've I've learned how to become savvy at tech in my now I'm sixty one. <laughs> you know, so I'm, it, who knew that in in my sixties I could become savvy at tech. Well, you did. I would say the answer to that is you did. (laughs) I guess a big part of it is knowing what's important in your own life. You know, some people might be really content at 50 after the kids have left home and or they're off on their um, life journey to just be proud of that moment and say, well, I have done my job. I am ready now to sit back and watch. And I guess the is it the others that think I haven't really finished my journey yet? How do you transition people from perhaps not knowing what they want to then having a new mission for the for the later half of their life? Well, sometimes we have to like really do an archaeological dig back to childhood or back to a time in one's life when we might not have been as practical, when we sort of said, oh, this is this is something I'm passionate about. Or it could be something that you were passionate about when you had the kids and you were you were you were balancing the kids with a full-time job. Uh, and but it was there were the curiosity in your life got drained out of you because there was no room for it. So part of what we really help people with is if a modern elder is as curious as they are wise, how do we, in the course of working with with uh, people in midlife, help 
you know, amp up the curiosity again. And what are the things that you might want to do? One of the questions I love to ask myself is what is it that I know now or have done now that I wish I'd known or done 10 years ago? I'll think about that for a moment, Shelley. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then now, once you've got that in your mind for a moment, now let's take that out 10 years. 10 years from now, what will I regret if I don't learn it or do it now? That's a beautiful question to ask. And it's part of the reason. It's a very big question. (laughs) It is. It's part of the reason that four years ago at age 57, I started learning how to surf because I lived near a surf break here in Mexico. And I was like, ah, well, I, you know, it'll be harder at 67 than 57. Similarly, I was living in Mexico and I knew French, but I didn't know Spanish all that well. So at 57, at a point where most people say, oh, I'm too old to fill in the blank. In this case, too old to learn a a new language. I said, okay, well, I love Mexico. I'm going to be here a lot. Why not learn the, why not learn it now? Learn the, mm-hmm. the language Spanish, since that's the primary language here in Mexico. And so anticipating regret in the future is a form of wisdom. It, it helps you to see what you can do today so you don't have that regret in the future. Mm-hmm. We had a conversation with a wonderful life coach here in Australia called Shanna Kennedy uh, in Series mm-hmm. 1, and she introduced us to that idea of be your own mentor. What, you know, what mm-hmm. do you want to be doing from 10 years from now or what would your 10-year-older self tell yourself now? And I, and I love that this principle is coming back to us with you because it's not necessarily about um, embracing a new job or getting back into the workforce. It's about this is your time. Who are you going to be and what do you love to embrace? Because hopefully Hopefully you are in a position where you've got more free time. You don't have to be working, but you do have to be embracing life and, and doing the things that you love. Many people in the United States, and I think it may be true in Australia as well, is have this perspective that purpose is like a possession. And all my friends have purpose, but I don't have purpose. And I feel like I like where did I leave my purpose? I left it in the in the restroom at at, 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 the, at the gas station. <laughs> no, it's not a possession that you actually lose. Purpose is not a possession. Purpose is a verb. So don't get focused on the noun. Focus on the verb. And the verb is to be purposeful. In what in your life might you feel more purposeful? And it doesn't have to be related to your work. You can feel more purposeful by being an amazing grandmother or grandfather. You could be amazing as a political activist. You could be, uh, you could feel purposeful about um, getting a new park built in your local community. Uh, so there's lots of ways to feel purposeful, but the key is to focus on the thing that makes you passionate, the thing that you, either you feel you love or you hate, that that's where the passion tends to come, and then throw your energy into that in a purposeful way, and then you'll determine within a few months, is this my purpose? And you may have more than one purpose as well. So I think, you know, what, what Dr. Phil Pizzo um, at Stanford University has shown is the three things that people need more than anything else after age 50 are purpose, community, and wellness. And often we lose purpose and community when we retire because our, our, a lot of our purpose came from our work. A lot of our community, our sense of social, social connection came from the people at work. The part that's always been surprising to me is 
the wellness. Why would, if you retire, why would you potentially become less well? And the number one reason is without the structure and discipline of work, you end up losing some of the motivation and some of the good habits around how you do things. And so, and maybe you drink a little bit more, drink a little bit more alcohol, another fosters, or you're like hanging out in front of the telly, watching Netflix. And there's an element of, wow, if we know that, if we know that purpose, community, and wellness are the three most important things to us, the question we might ask ourselves is, how are we investing in those three qualities in our life? Well, the Modern Elder Academy has created a community, hasn't it? If you felt like you were a little bit lost, if you weren't in touch with your particular school friends anymore, as I said, the kids um, have flown the coop, they're not your community anymore, you might be feeling a bit alone. You've created a community for people to come together as much as to continue learning, just, just to connect. Yeah, it's been beautiful. I mean, to have 26 regional chapters around the world and the APAC chapter, as I mentioned earlier, is very active, especially the Australian part of it. Um, frankly, these folks, I mean, just the last two weeks, the MEA X group in Australia had two in-person workshops uh, around the principles and concepts of MEA. So, yeah, for those of you who are in the AU who want to learn more, just learn more at MEA X or at the Modern Elder Academy website. Anybody can be part of it, even if you haven't become an alum yet. But a lot of our alums in Australia are alums because they've done our um, MEA online program, mm-hmm. um, our online program on purpose or on transitions. I know people are signing up right now. Can you can you tell us a story, perhaps, of your best student so far? You don't have to name names, but how their life journey oh. has changed. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about uh, a woman, um, Suzanne Watkins, and she was somebody who had worked in the nonprofit sector. She'd worked in healthcare. Um, she had been a single mother raising uh, children. And as she got to her mid-50s, she decided to come to the Modern Elder Academy for a workshop. And then she really integrated herself into our alumni community. And around 57 or 58, she came to the conclusion during the pandemic (laughs) that she wanted to learn how to become an international flight attendant on on planes. Now, very few people choose to move into the role of being an international flight attendant. But on her 60th birthday, she got her wings which is the you know the symbol of becoming a flight attendant, and the Guardian newspaper in the UK wrote a huge profile on Suzanne Watkins. So if you wanted to read more about Suzanne and her experience with the Modern Elder Academy, you could read about that in uh, just Google Suzanne Watkins, uh, the Guardian and Modern Elder Academy, and you can see the article. Oh my goodness, that is brilliant. That is brilliant. Is that, do you think, is that a life goal that she had from when she was a teenager and never fulfilled or this was something new altogether? It was something new altogether, but she had always been fascinated by travel. So I don't know if that it was the flight attendant part of it was, but the idea of traveling and and traveling internationally was something that always intrigued her. Um, So I'm really proud of her uh, because she also had a personal health issues, diabetes and a few other things that really were going to like limit her ability to travel, not only travel, but maybe even travel as a, a flight attendant. So she helped get her own health in order as well to to be able to, to, to accomplish this. Go Suzanne, what an inspiration for all of us. 
For a man who gives out advice all day long, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? A super quick pause in our conversation. Have you heard the news? The Ageing Project has a sister platform called You Must Try It. It's come about because, like you, we want to age well, but that means knowing which products or brands to buy. And let's face it, with so many products on the market, it's becoming harder to choose. So, with the guidance of our in-house wellness team, we are doing the research for you. You'll only find tried, tested and loved products on youmusttryit.com. So, if that's of any interest, go and sign up. We'd love you to join us. Okay, let's get back to our chat. Ah, Oscar Wilde. He, I, I didn't live in his era, but he did say, be yourself, everyone else is taken. Um, <laughs> so someone else actually quoted Oscar Wilde and told me that. And they told me that in my 20s when I think I was really doing my best to try to be the best, not the best version of myself, but the best version of my parents' version of myself. And uh, the, oh, that's what tough. they wanted that's tough me, to live up to. <laughs> their success script. I had their success, success script. And I, I think that I was able to see that you know, my path was going to be different than theirs. And uh, as it turns out, they're extremely proud of who I am and what I've become in my life and what I've done in the world. Uh, Even though it was back in my 20s, it was uh, hard for them to see me going on a path that they felt was different than their more conservative path. Mm -hmm. So what do they make of the modern elder academy? Have they signed up? Have they reinvented themselves (laughs) over again? My father, but both of them are still living. They're 84 years old. My father has been down here many times. The average age of the people who come here is 54. So uh, it's not elderly very much. Um, But my dad's been down here many times. He'll be down here again in two weeks. Um, And uh, he loves it. My mom, it's not her thing as much, but they're both very proud of what we've created here. When I came across the Modern Elder Academy in our research for the Ageing Project, the first person I called was my dad, who is 75 now. Oh, no, we both just turned on 46. He's 76. Um, He has reinvented himself that many times. And his motto being... I guess, having kids in the early 80s um, was just do it. You know, the whole Nike strap line, his whole life has been just do it. And he really does live um, that motto every single day. But when I came across you, I was like, oh, dad, this is the place for you. And I really didn't think of him being 75, as opposed to, as you say, in the mid 50s. Um, He's just retired for the fourth time, I believe, Um, but can't sit still for a moment and is looking for something new. So I went, this is it. This is for you. Send him our way. I mean, we've had people as young as 28 and as old as 88 um, come to the Modern Elder Academy. So it's a really wide range of people, which is, I think, the big shock to us is that, you know, something called the Modern Elder Academy would attract people who are really young. Um, 15% of our alumni are millennials. So, um, so it's been beautiful. Oh, they're digging in places they shouldn't be digging, should they? Leave it to us. <laughs> Stay in your lane. This no, is for us. I'm okay with them because actually usually the ones who so – like this last week I was teaching and we had 20 people in the workshop and there was a guy who was 30 years old. And I was like, oh, why would you come to MEA? And he, but he was the um, chief creative director for Soho House, big mm-hmm. global company at age 30, and he realized – that he, it's almost like he was having his midlife crisis early. It's wise beyond he, his years. He exactly. He'd started in his career very young, and he was very accomplished and very driven. 
And so on some level, he got to his place in, at 30 where he's like, I want to cultivate my wisdom, but I also want to repurpose myself. And so, oh, it was beautiful to see how he blossomed over the course of the week. Amazing. That is amazing. We mentioned wellness being a huge part of, obviously for us, aging well, but this part of feeling like you have a purpose, being ready for what your next you know, purpose might be. What are your keys to wellness, Chip? You know, I mean, I... I meditate every morning. I, I find I, I'm not very good at yoga, but I'm getting better. Um, but I've, I've always found yoga difficult. Um, but meditation has really been my thing. And I've found it to be a way of really centering myself. And especially if it's a stressful day. Um, I exercise. I, I it used to be running um, and I'm doing all kinds of things, but running was one of my primary things. I, I, I now just walk fast because actually my knees, my knees and my ankles, especially running on the beach, can't handle it quite like they used to. Um, and I, you know, I try to really focus on consistent sleep. Now I'm not, I, I don't think historically I've been a great sleeper, uh, and then I found like melatonin started to work for me and, and magnesium started to work for me and uh, these natural kinds of things. And then I am really strict about my sleeping habits. You know, whether it's weekday or weekend, I go to, I go to bed within a half hour to 45 minutes at the same time, no matter what day of the week it is. And it's led me to actually feeling a lot better because my, I'd say I sleep an hour more on average today than I did 15 years ago. That's very unusual because as we age, sometimes our sleeping patterns get worse. But um, I think melatonin and magnesium has been a really nice combination for me. Mm-hmm. And as far as your diet, is there any things that you you stick to, don't stick to? I don't eat a lot of red meat, but I, I, I still eat meat. Uh, I still eat uh, white meat um, and a lot of fish. Uh, I don't drink any coffee. I don't drink, I do no caffeine. Um, I do drink alcohol, and I think that's one of the things I have to be careful about. And because I do enjoy my, you know, my end of the day, just like okay, you know, let's tip one back. But uh, very Australian the, phrase. <laughs> I know, tip one back. Back in the old, back in the old days, I mean, I could do that, and I would not gain any weight. I was a sort of a thin, lanky kind of guy. Now, oh my gosh. You know, I have my COVID-19 and all 19 pounds are around my waist. Um, <laughs> so I've, ha- I've had to learn how to just be a little bit more temperate on the, on the drinking. And you're obviously enjoying life. Life is being oh, good love- to you now. You're being well, good to life. It's being good back. My my boutique hotel company was called Joie de Vivre. So I understood French and Joie de Vivre means joy of life. And, and that really has defined my mm, my way of trying to live my life. Mm-hmm. That's something. Do you think people need their own little motto, their own strapline for their own life? That's a great way, you know, whether it be a mantra, just do I it. guess. Yeah, yeah just yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it was create joy, create joy. Mm-hmm. How, how could, how can I create more joy in the world? And for myself, of course, but also for the rest of the world in, in all kinds of ways. And that, that has been pretty much how I've operated. Um, I'm not perfect at it. And, uh, yeah, I think people sometimes, I'm a very driven person, generally speaking. So that means that I, the joy is what helps uh, distill some of the intensity to, so that there's a little more tranquility. I guess that is your life's purpose, the joie de vivre. It is. 
Yes, for whoever that may be, wherever that may manifest itself. Wherever I am, whether it's with old people or young people or everybody in between. (laughs) Did this all start after your, well, I was going to say your near-death experiences, um, dying nine times. Did your life change dramatically from that point on? And I guess we should explain to our audience how you have died nine times, if you can uh, summarise that that briefly. And was that that a changing point for you? Was that a real tipping point? For sure. So I was 47 years old. Um, I had a broken ankle um, playing baseball. Um, I had a septic leg because I had a cut on my leg with fertilizer in it. And Mm -hmm. so I was put on a very strong antibiotic. It wasn't strong enough. So they put me on a different antibiotic. And I should have been just staying at home uh, (laughs) as opposed to on crutches, on antibiotics, out giving speeches halfway across America uh, on a book tour. And I had an allergic reaction to the antibiotic, but of course, at the time, no one knew it. I gave my speech. I was feeling not well after the speech. I was sitting, signing books, and and I went unconscious. They put me on the ground. I was unconscious for about five minutes. The paramedics showed up, and they put me on a gurney, and and they put heart monitors on me, and that was the first time I went flatline. And they had to get out the electric paddles to bring me back to life. And and then we're off to the hospital, and I I kept... going flatline. Um, and each time I had a flatline moment, um, I would come back and talk to the nurse who was holding my hand or the paramedic and say, here's what I saw. And it was sort of the same thing over and over again. But long story short is I, um, that experience woke me up to saying, if I am to die tomorrow, am I happy in my life? Or am I satisfied with what I've accomplished? Am I satisfied with where how I'm spending my time these days and mm-hmm. and I came to the conclusion that I was in handcuffs I was like you know my I was in prison um I was in my own mental prison which is I'd started a company 22 years earlier and I thought that was the only thing I could ever do mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that I could sell it ultimately even in the the great recession which is when I had to sell it and 2 years later I'd sold it and I was I was now ready for freedom So the flatline experience helped me to say, it was like a divine intervention, helped me Mm -hmm. to see that I could change my life, that even though it felt like I was stuck, I could get unstuck because um, if I'm to die tomorrow, I don't want to die regretting what I hadn't done yet or what I Mm -hmm. wanted to experience in my life. And so... uh, Thank you. Thankfully, thankfully, it's like a wake up call. I'm a hotelier, and I, this hotelier had a wake up call, <laughs> which we don't have in the hotel business anymore, pretty much because you've got your phone, will which will wake you up. But um, yeah, this was a wake up call for me. Mm-hmm. So you'd actually lost your your joie de vivre at that point. I had, you know, the thing that actually the the thing that really drew me to starting the business was creativity and freedom. And 22 years into running the company, when we had 3,500 employees and all kinds of, oh, you know, investors and things like that, it was I didn't have much creativity or freedom left. I was just mm-hmm. like the guy running the show, and and I I missed I missed the fun of it all. So yeah, the, the, that that flatline experience reminded me that the reason I started the company, uh, I I lost my path, and and I and I didn't have to do it the rest of my life. It was not a jail sentence. Mm -hmm. That is a great analogy, isn't it? Hopefully we don't have to all get to that point to realise that you don't have to just run your own show. You can actually change 
what that is. Right. And that is a, yes. a huge step for everyone. But you've given us some wonderful keys today to get started. And of course, the Modern Elder Academy is there for all of us, young or old, uh, should we need that little reboot and restart. And of course, a new community to become involved with. Do you have one piece of advice leaving our audience today um, about what they can do this week to kickstart the next part of their life, their next journey? Sure. I mean, I would just say make a make a list. There's a there's a societal narrative out there that says aging is bad. We have anti-aging creams, etc. Make a list of what in your life gets better with age. Um, and then actually pursue some of those things. You know, some of the things get better with age. You get better at being able to give advice or be a mentor to someone. Um, your brain becomes better at being intuitive. Um, you're more emotionally intelligent. Uh, you're able to be a little bit less selfish and more focused in serving others and seeing the big picture. So how might you use that? There's a, there's a, the thing I would recommend um, beyond my book, Wisdom at Work, is Arthur Brooks' new book is called From Strength to Strength. talks about what gets better with age. Um, and I'd highly recommend you go out and buy that and read that this week. Um, if you don't buy Wisdom at Work, my book, because mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate Arthur's, Arthur's articulation of how we get better as we age in certain ways and, and how we then need to focus on those ways. Chip, you've been wonderful today. You really are an inspiration. But even more than that, I think you are an excellent teacher. So it was wonderful you, listening to you today. And I, and I can't wait to, uh, to jump into the Modern Elder Academy. Thank you so much for your time. Yes. Check out MEAX in Australia as well, because that's our community there. I've taken many things away from my conversation with Chip, and I hope you've done the same. Firstly, the idea of midlife being a chrysalis or a cocoon with the first part of adult life behind us and the second half in front of us, I totally agree, and I am all for embracing the second half. Chip asked some great questions like, 10 years from now, what will I regret if I don't do it now? And I think I need to sit with a cuppa and ponder that one for a while. He also reminded us that after 50, things like purpose, community and wellness matter even more, which is so true and we've been learning that across our Aging Well journey. Oh, and the life motto idea? Chips was joy of life. My dad's is just do it. Yes, before Nike. <laughs> do you have a motto? And I'm keen to create one of my own, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. I could keep going on, but I'm mindful of your time. So instead, I'll finish with Chip's favorite quote from Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Thank you once again for tuning in. We'd be grateful if you shared today's episode with your community so they can join ours. I'm Shelley Craft, your host and fellow ager. See you next week for our 12th and final episode of season two. Tap then. The Aging Project is brought to you by Poly Studio. They're our go-to team for all things podcasting.